exactly what the Bible means this morning because in 1980 I was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I had just had a mountaintop experience in Mississippi. I described that last Sunday. It was my ordination. My beloved pastor, John Claypool, drove up from Jackson to preach it. My college minister, Brad Pope, both of these mentors have gone on to glory, was there to have part in the service. I talked about it last Sunday. I won't revisit that. It was a mountaintop experience, and God lit me up just like he did those people on that mountaintop. And I was on a spiritual high. It was an ecstatic experience. And then I went back to the seminary in Louisville and I sank into a soul-scraping depression. It was the first time I had ever experienced depression. And it was probably a clinical depression. I was not hospitalized for it because that's just not what you do if you felt the call to ministry, right? And so I kind of burrowed my way through it. Thankfully, I had good professors. I had one professor to say, Charlie, in our kind of world with all its sadness and injustice and oppression and violation and violence, I'd be worried about you if you were never depressed. I carry that wisdom and counsel with me to this very day. I had good friends that literally walked with me through that depression. I was afraid to be alone in my room. I was in Williams dorm. I had the corner room and it was cold. It was cold enough to hang meat in that dorm room. I would drag my mattress down the hall so that I could sleep on the floor of my friend Rick Axtell. Louisville was a strange place to this southern boy. I was from deep south Alabama, and Louisville was a Yankee town. (laughs) And it was cold there, that river town. It was different culturally. I felt alienated. I felt disconnected. I was certainly hungry in spirit. I was depressed and sad and wondering why. After that mountaintop, experience. The Spirit led me into the wilderness and I was tempted and I was tested. You know if you've walked the spiritual path that times in the wilderness are a necessary and integral part of it. And you know that it's not all mountaintop that most of our journey with God is in the valley and that a good bit of that time is encountering grief and loss and sadness, confusion, questions, doubt. And what we do as we mature in the spiritual life is gain muscle. We gain spiritual muscle, if you will. It doesn't mean that it gets any easier. The trial is still there. We're on trial. There's more evidence in our life in that trial, if you want to sustain that legal metaphor. We are tested and we know how because we have a greater spiritual IQ to pass that test. I've seen this in your life. I've known y'all for decades And I've seen this evidence and this testimony and this witness 
in your life. St. John of the Cross, a medieval mystic, called this the dark night of the soul. In all the biblical stories that have shaped our spirituality, the Spirit has driven people into the wilderness. That's what God did with Abraham. And what a test that was. And this was a guy that didn't have 4,000 years of accumulated revelation and discovery about God to apply. He was at the beginning. So all those other cultures were sacrificing their children to please their gods. Why shouldn't Abraham? And Abraham trudges up that mountain. God will provide, he tells his son. And just as Abraham, that daddy, held that dagger over the, his boy, his only boy, a boy born of miraculous, magical circumstances, the angel stops the downward thrust of the knife Isaac is spared. There's a ram nearby in the thicket. The worship is completed. And we are here in this room. Because God does not require that act of violence in order to worship him. Abraham Heschel, the great Hebrew rabbi, was, tells the story of another rabbi who was sharing this lesson out of the Torah with his young charges in a bar mitzvah. It was all boys in that day. Thankfully today we have bat mitzvahs for girls too. All boys in that day. And as he told the story, this one little lad kept crying and the crying turned to sobs and the sob sobs turned to convulsive weeping. And even after the rabbi finished the story that God halts the thrust of the knife, that Isaac is spared, the boy is able to live. The young lad just started crying ever the more. It sort of irritated the rabbi and the rabbi said, listen here kid, the story ends in a good positive way. Why, why are you crying? And the little boy looked up through his tears and said, rabbi, what if God had come a moment too late? And the rabbi broke out in a wide smile and said, ah, oh, let me tell you something. God cannot come too late. But you don't know that. In that depression, one month, two months, three months, when is God going to show up? Paul Schrader produced, uh, directed a wonderful film that some of you have seen, perhaps many of you have not seen. It uh, I think won an Oscar nomination, and it's called First Reformed. It's a fairly recent film. It was uh, produced in, in 2018. Ethan Hawke plays a pastor of a small little dying church. And it's a mission church of the big, happy, clappy mega church. And the film, in part, Paul Schrader wrote the screenplay for Taxi Driver, for Raging Bull, a close collaborator to the more famous uh, filmmaker, Martin Scorsese. And by the way, Scorsese and Schrader were in seminary together. Isn't that interesting? 
And he explores this dark night of the soul on the part of this Christian pastor who isn't going to fall for all the chicanery and baloney of the happy clappy. Because his faith is, has more integrity than that. Ethan Hawke plays that pastor. Amanda Seyfried plays another main character in the story. I strongly advise you to complete the Bible lessons this morning out of Genesis and Mark. Go home, look up on Netflix that film and take time to watch it. Soren Kierkegaard said this, the worst despair of all is that which is not aware of its own despair. Jesus is announcing a rule of God breaking into our very midst. It is on your doorstep. It is knocking at your door right now. There, it is a world of promise and possibility and yet here we find ourselves in a wilderness. In an in-between time in the life of this great church. Now this church is used to energy, vitality, dynamism. This church is accustomed to possibility and potentiality. And yet, here we find ourselves in confusion and grief and sadness. And some might even call it lament. The leaders of this church wisely have scheduled a service where we might ritualize some of this lament. It's coming up in the month of March. I will be here. Our friend George Mason will be back to help us with that service. I like it because we're in the wilderness and we're tempted to go cheap for power and we're tempted to all of those ruses and tricks and all of that magic, throw yourself off the temple so everybody in Lubbock will come and crowd into your mega church and sing all that happy clappy. <laughs> I guess I got to get off the mega church one of these days, Tim. <laughs> no, we're not going to fall for that because we know better than that. And we know that there is no spiritual muscle that gets us through the times of dryness without appropriating, processing, and exegeting where we are now. And we do it bravely, and we do it honestly, and we do it boldly. We don't leave our bucket of rocks at the door. We bring it right in. Y'all, we are remembering. And we have to be remembered. I hit it a lick in a promise last Sunday. It was in my sermon manuscript, but I got long-winded and I didn't get to it. And I just touched on it last week when we came to the table. But here's what it means when we remember. It means we get put back together again. We are remembered. When we tell a story and we remember the story, all of the diverse and separate members of this body get connected to each other. And when I get connected to you, I find myself. Paul uses this term. It is a Holy New Testament term. 
You are a member. It's not some technical administrative term. It's not a name on a roll. You are a part of this body. And one member does not say to another member, I do not need you. But all the members of the body work together for the building up of this body. And the beautiful thing about this church is every single person is important. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what your past is, no matter your gender, no matter your standing, no matter your race, Everybody is a part of this Jesus, this body of Jesus. So, I got some pastoral counsel. Can you imagine that? The first thing is get together. Now, I'm preaching to the choir in that because you're here. But everybody not here needs to be here. Get together. Show up. And if you're confused, show up. And if you're victorious, show up. And if you're doubtful, show up. And if you're clear, show up. And if you're cold, show up. And if you're poor, show up. And if you're rich, show up. Get together. We did that yesterday. We celebrated the life of Joe King. Here's why that service was so powerful. Some of you were not able to be here. Many of you were, Stephanie and Tom. Larry led us in it. It was a magnificent service. So did Kirk and Mike, did a great job sharing about their mama and all that wonderful story. And of course, Joe and Bill, part of the DNA of this church. And there were others, long-term members who were here. And, and we remembered the story and we got put back together again. I know some of you are tired of hearing that story. I know that, that you weren't here 65 years ago. I wasn't either. And sometimes it just seems to be laborious. Listen to the story. But you got to get together in order to do that. Get together and listen to a story of sadness because the chapter we're in right now is sad. And I'm going to challenge people who are on the mountaintop and who are feeling victorious and clear that our responsibility is to listen to those who are not. And again, and again, and again, and again. Well, I'm tired of hearing that. It's been eight months. Yeah, and it might be another eight months. And we're going to listen, long-suffering, till every single member of this body tells a story of sadness. Until they're not sad anymore. And then, together, and those of you who are sad, I guess i got to finish that thought, don't I? You've got to walk the extra mile with those who aren't. Those of us who are sad and grieving, who are confused and hurt and feel betrayed, we've got to walk with those who aren't carrying that bucket of rocks because we're a body. And the head does not say to the feet, I don't need you. And the feet don't say to the hand, I don't need you. 
but all the parts of the body work together for the building up. And then we got to get together and we got to write a new story. Where are you going to go now? What new generation of mission and ministry is going to characterize you? And you'll be ready to write that story with your new minister and all the people together. I don't know what Jesus thought about in the wilderness. I imagine the text outlines it for us. I imagine he thought, I am birthed by God. And he looked around at those rocks and the wilderness was kind of like Big Ben over there in Israel, east of the Jordan River. And he looked at all the craggy, dry, arid, desert land. And you remember that God scooped him up out of the dust of the earth and molded and sculpted and shaped him as only a master craftsman could and then breathed into him the breath of life. He remembered that. I am birthed by God. God is my Father, my heavenly parent, God is my mother. We are brothers and sisters one to another. We are siblings of each other. We're going to sing. Dr. Lyles is going to lead us at the end of our service. We are all a part of the family of God. Then I imagine he remembered, I am baptized into God. And the water was hardly dry before the Spirit led him out in the wilderness. I want us to remember our baptism and I want us to remember that a preacher put us all the way underneath the water. And I don't care how much water was used in your baptism, but every single part of you is immersed in that good pleasure. You are God's beloved daughter in whom God is well pleased. We learned this in Josh's youth group this morning. Somebody said it. One of the young people said it. It wasn't Josh. And Josh was smart enough to note the wisdom spiritually of the comment about unless we feel loved, we're going to hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. And Jesus remembered that he is baptized into God. And then he remembered he is a beloved son of God. You are loved. Fred Craddock tells the old classic story. You've heard your preachers and pastors tell it through the years. One of my favorite stories. A little boy who would come to church in the Tennessee village every single Sunday, he would sit on the back row. As soon as the benediction was spoken, he would hightail it out. He didn't want to have to look anybody in the eye. Why? Because he was born out of wedlock, and they called him a little bastard child in that day. And the indignity and embarrassment that befell his mom befell him too, and he could see the judgment and the scorn in those people's eyes, even the even the church people's eyes, but there was something about that preacher. That old preacher with a long mane of white hair and a long white beard in that day. And every Sunday it would seem like that preacher was preaching directly to him. 
He would speak about how God made every human being in the image of God. Creation theology, we call it today. He would speak about the power of baptism, every part of us immersed in the pleasure of God. He would speak about how we are beloved children of God, that God's our heavenly parent. We are all a child of God. And it spoke directly to his heart. On this particular Sunday, he showed up at the country church and the back row was full. The second to the back row was full. The church was fairly full. He had to take a seat midway. The preacher preached. The little boy got up to leave and the aisle was blocked. And he couldn't get through. And panic rose in his spirit. And then he felt a hand on his shoulder. And he turned around and he saw the old preacher staring down at him. And the preacher took his chin and said, Whose boy are you? And the whole church froze and turned. And then the preacher said, Ah, oh, I know who you are. I can see it in your face. You are a child of God. You are a beloved child of God. And the preacher said, let that boy through. Son, go on out there. Go on and claim your inheritance. Craddock said that the one who told him that story was Ben Hooper in a roadside cafe in East Tennessee, a man who went on to be elected not once but twice by the good people of the volunteer state as governor of Tennessee because he was told in his wilderness that he was loved. We're going to tell each other that. We're going to keep telling each other that. And when there's something in our story that makes me doubt that, you're going to come along. And you're going to say to me, you are loved. Go claim your inheritance and me to you. Because the realm of God's knocking at our doorstep. The kingdom of God is at hand. If today you would confess Christ as Lord and leader and Savior of your life, if you've never done that, trusted this love, we're going to sing in a minute and I invite you to come because I want you to stand before these people who also stood where you might stand as the Spirit leads and I want you to see their pleasure for you. And there's nothing like that moment. The reason I still do that is because you have told me what a glorious moment that was. If you would like to unite with a church in the wilderness, 
pretty fun out there. Don't you want to wrestle with the devil? I sure do. And I want to join you in doing so. And if you feel led to unite with this church by a transfer of your membership from some other church, doesn't matter what it is, or by the statement of your faith in Christ, same thing that the early church confessed, and it wasn't the Westminster Catechism, it wasn't the Apostles' Creed, and it certainly wasn't the Baptist faith and message. It was three words, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And if you make that confession, you will be a part, a member of this body.